0: Hi, and welcome to Versations, Klein ISD's podcast about all things teaching and learning. I'm Monica Schallenberger, and I'll be the host for each episode, and my guest will be rotating educators from all over our school district. This podcast is for anyone wanting to expand their knowledge about teaching and learning and here are conversations about the journey of educators being joyful, reflective, transparent, and deliberate about applying their learning to transform the world. In today's episode, I sit down with our 2019 Klein ISD Secondary Teacher of the Year, Tyrone Void. Tyrone comes from a background of actually having no aspirations of being a teacher. After stints in corporate sales and as a senior staff writer for a popular blog site, he jumped to education in hopes of making his passion for basketball a career. He started out his career at Cinco Ranch High School as an English 1 teacher. And a sophomore basketball coach, and then later left to come to Klein Forest, um, also teaching English there, but before switching to CTE in the business department. After learning for three years under our head basketball coach at Klein Forest, Carrie Black, Tyrone had the opportunity to be the first head boys basketball coach at Klein Kane High School. You'll hear that perspective throughout the content we talk about today. We're going to cover things like culture responsiveness is so integral to our teacher-student relationships how leadership forces those who lead to being more humble and pliable, and how there's so many crossovers between teaching and coaching a sport and more. Here's our conversation now. All right, Tyrone, welcome to the Party Podcast.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. I'm so excited to have our Secondary Teacher of the Year
1: <laughs> Likewise. for Thank
0: 2019. You. That's exciting. It is. And representative of Klein Kane High School, so we'll just kick this off with what's a celebration that you have from the district in connection to teaching and learning.
1: Um, actually, I would like to shine a light on the other district winners As sitting there at the uh, celebration. There were quite a few wonderful things going on, um, and also uh, Mrs. Woods here on Klein Kane campus. She won the grant mm-hmm. for uh, virtual reality in the classroom, and I think that's going to. Uh, serve a really really good purpose here and the kids will really enjoy it some of the teachers will enjoy it I'm already looking forward to it and also um, you know, I was at Clown Force for a couple yeah. of years and so I really want to shine a light on those kids going to state for the basketball and actually winning state and track on the boys side. so that's a big deal um, for coach Smith and those guys over there and that's really um, encouraging for every other coach <laughs> in the district as well.
0: I loved watching that video Miss Woods getting her grant for that because she was so shocked and everyone was like, "Where did she go get her?" And then of course we're all celebrating Klein Forest and Absolutely. as a, everybody loves to see them and who who doesn't love hearing that someone actually went to state and then won it?
1: Yeah, and <laughs> but even just going overlap. to state it's Absolutely. such a big
0: deal and some people don't understand that. Like even for the basketball team to get there, that's an accomplishment they're never going to forget. Dresser for really their really really hard. and good for Coach Black, right? Absolutely, Coach, Coach yeah, Black, yeah. 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 All right, great. So let's just dive in. Um, I think it's important for the district to hear from Teacher of the Year. We talked about this last year a little bit uh, with some co-workers. And we are just talking about how sometimes we don't hear as much from them. And I feel like Teachers of the Year have a lot to say and, and, and probably have a sound philosophy about core beliefs in teaching. So kind of just give us an insight about what you believe about teaching. And it might have evolved because... Mm-hmm. As they heard in the bio, you did not start off as a teacher, um, but then obviously got into it pretty quickly and have been at a couple different schools with different demographics, Absolutely. too. Um, I definitely want to talk about that in a minute. But what is your just core beliefs about teaching and learning?
1: Well, like you said, I had no intentions of ever being a teacher. But once I became a teacher, um, obviously, you go and that first bell rings and my heart is racing like I wouldn't believe. And it, it literally came out of nowhere. I walked around, I paced and said... I, I'm okay, and then a bell rung, and actual humans walk into your classroom, <laughs> and it becomes completely different. And so, the thing that saved me is has become kind of my pillar belief is just relationships above all. Mm-hmm. Um, before those kids um, learn anything from you, they want to know that you care about them specifically. That you you really want to know who they are as a person. It could be the smallest thing, like know that they have a little brother and ask them how their brother's doing. How was his baseball game, or something small, um, and so I think that, that just creates an environment that's conducive to learning, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of breaks down the 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 scary wall of student teacher, because even though we are, you know, driven by maybe data, maybe we have the adult ambition, there these these kids um, are emotionally driven;
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're just about all their decisions derived strictly from the emotion that they're feeling at the time. And so my belief is that when they come into your classroom, they learn better in places that they want to be. They're more they're more open to new information um, if they want to be there. If they don't, they already have these preconceived feelings that uh, I don't want to be here, so they don't give you their best effort.
0: Okay. Love it. And when you're saying an environment for learning is around relationships, it always brings me back to, like, when we were in high school. It's mm-hmm. so funny when you work in education because you kind of reflect about your high school experience. I think becoming a teacher for me, I kind of look back and I was like, okay, I wonder what this came across as or how I felt about things. And it makes me reflect on those teachers. I didn't realize they were making an impact on my life. But when I sit here and I think about those educators who really took the time to teach and uh, make an investment and as a student, now I get it. I'm like, okay, the reason I like that class so much and that content really resonated with me is because that person took a time to get to know me, whether it was those little questions like you're saying here or there. That's right. Um, just caring about them personally. Absolutely. I mean, yeah.
1: high school's a blur for us. Yeah. You know, after a while, um, I mean, I graduated high school in 2001, so mm-hmm. I'm 18 years removed. yeah. But at the, there's still certain things that are crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can't tell you who my English four teacher is, but I can tell you who my English three teacher was. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you necessarily who taught me fifth grade social studies, but I know my third grade teacher. You're right. So it's, just, it's, it's, exactly it's right. just those moments in time that just stick out crystal clear because they care about you.
0: And I think it's important to remember when you were in high school and it, reflecting on that, because like you said, it feels like it's yesterday and it was you know 17 years ago right. for me. But it also reminds you like how important the things were to you as a teenager. Like Right now they seem so... I mean, you are just in a different time in our right, life. They don't right. seem trivial because they're so important to the kids. But it does make you look at things and remember like, okay, this is a relationship for them. Mm-hmm. But it is important to them because I remember when I was in this relationship or whatever the case is, whatever was going on in our life. Or you remember about the things that you went through right. as a teenager and it kind of makes you have that connection. Mm-hmm. So. All right, so you have been an inspiration to the Klein Kane staff, apparently, <laughs> through this culturally responsive professional learning that you've been providing for the staff here. And I know you're passionate about this topic, mm-hmm. and I'm sad that I've gotten to miss it being off campus this year. But why do you think this content is so important for today's campuses and classrooms and to the kids?
1: Well, going back to relationships, mm-hmm. I think that any genuine relationship begins with understanding. You don't necessarily have to know what someone's going through to empathize. And I think oh. empathy actually trumps sympathy in a lot of valid, strong, uh, positive relationships. And so with our demographic changing the way it, it has and so quickly, um, I think it's important for for teachers to understand what students are going through and for students to feel that the people who are uh, in authority over them actually understand what they're going through, mm-hmm. and that they can speak to them um, not, even if it's not even on their level, because you can learn a lot mm-hmm. from students just by allowing them to tell you about their experience. Um, also, you know, I started off in Katie Cinco Ranch, which is, you know, suburban and it is a, a different demographic. And then the next year, I actually, with to Clown Forest. And so that's that that got me to thinking um, What are the correlations? Because going in, Mm -hmm. you think that everything is so different. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you hear some people saying, well, these kids, you can't do these kids and then these kids. But then you realize that they're still children. Mm -hmm. And even though their problems look different, it's the same experience. And so I believe that even if, for instance, um, if I could speak candidly at Cinco Ranch, I would walk into some classes out of my five classes and there were, I had three that had zero uh, African-American children. And then in Con I had classes that had zero white children. And right. so I can't change according to who I'm teaching. Right. And so one thing that I learned from that experience is that um, the kids are, they still want that relationship with you. And you have to be yourself, meaning you have to know what you don't know. And if you don't know that, you have to be comfortable in learning from them and not come in with any sort of bias that you not. I, I guess yeah. my, my deal is biases aren't to be eliminated because mm-hmm. they're there. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for you to just get rid of them. Um, Sometimes so, you don't even
0: know they're there. Yeah, you
1: have to try to navigate <laughs> it, right. you, but you have to be self-aware. And that's what cultural responsiveness is to me, just being self-aware that, ooh maybe I you know, did something wrong there. Maybe I don't understand. Uh, maybe I can get to know them a little better. And so I think that's really important just across um, all relationships from student to staff.
0: I uh, like a couple of things that you said when you said that you, it's okay to have bias, but you just have to be self-aware to make sure they don't affect the kids. That's right. And um, our family engagement department is awesome. And I think nationally recognized, if not in the state. And we did an activity at a specialist club and it really opened up everybody's eyes, including my own. People think, oh, I don't have bias. And then you do these activities and they kind of just come to the surface. And it's an uncomfortable kind of professional learning when you're doing cultural responsiveness, because it's kind of calling out what people have suppressed to talk about for so long. And it's kind of like we can embrace each other's differences instead of avoiding each other's differences because really we all offer different things based off our culture, background, race, et cetera. So I completely agree with that. And I kind of went from the same type of school too. I went from Seven Lakes to Psy Lakes and I kind of felt the same way. And actually my first school was a title one school that I ever taught in. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they're all kids and there's still huge problems and all across the spectrum of no matter what the demographic is. Um, And
1: oftentimes we focus so much on the floor, the bad kids that there's a great kid. they are great kids on every campus. Mm-hmm. And though one kid, you know, may, may look different, he may act different, he may express his, he or she may express their love differently, um, you really just want them to show up every day. Yeah. And and uh, for example, when I was at Katie, uh, when I was at Single Ranch, the thing that broke the barrier for them to be open with me is that I wore sneakers <laughs> on, on the first Friday. I wore Jordans, right, that had come out a few years ago. And so I decided every Friday I'm gonna wear a different pair of Jordans. And then they're like, oh, you wear Jordans because you <laughs> You're know students, so trendy. Yeah, students think teachers don't even grocery shop. They think we just go home and read books and grade papers. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> and so and then at, at Clown Forest, that's different.
0: Right. At Clown Forest,
1: I decided to wear a suit and tie. I mean a shirt and tie on Tuesdays because for them, yeah, it's more important to see that I I didn't sacrifice who I was just because I wear a suit and tie. You can be professional and still, you know, where you come from doesn't have anything to do with how you act and how you present yourself.
0: And I like that you were intentional with making sure it applied to whatever campus you were on. And really the basis of humanity, I was looking at a summary of the book called Ask Powerful Questions, Create Mm -hmm. Conversations That Matter by Will Wise today. And I saw this um, pyramid that he bases his questions off of. I haven't bought the book yet, but I definitely put it on my book list. But it just comes down to the basis of everybody wants to be understood and everybody wants to connect. And Brene Brown, she's a popular speaker too. She's got a Netflix special. Out. I mean, it's just all about connecting and people just want to be understood. And I think you're right when it's empathy trumps sympathy because people just want you to at least try to put yourself in their shoes, whether you can actually do it or not, just so that there can be a connection that happens. And mm-hmm. the classroom it does not... Um, does not remove itself from those situations people wanting to connect. Right. All right. So obviously you're the head basketball coach here mm-hmm. and um, dually serving in both those positions as a teacher and a coach. I think it offers a very unique set of skills that people don't understand unless you've done it before. Right. Or they just have some kind of background connecting. They had a parent who was a coach or whatever, and, and that's just been in conversations that I've had with people. I don't think people understand sometimes the um, skill set that can come with that. But in what ways has both roles contributed to the other, like coaching to teaching, teaching to coaching, for you?
1: Um, leadership number one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As as a as a coach, you have to be a leader of young men, which oftentimes is. Very difficult, and sometimes I question why I tie my livelihood to seventeen year olds. But uh, it, it it taught it taught me to be a servant leader, right? Um, and I think for me, the how I kind of coined it is just: be, you have to be pliable. Mm-hmm. You can't walk into from one team to the next. You can't say this is my system. Right? It works. I know it works. <laughs> it, it, but if you don't have the the X's, I mean, you can have the X's and O's, but if you don't have the the people who can execute it, you have to find their strengths. And put them in positions to be successful um, while still being able to implement certain parts of your system, of your beliefs. And um, and also just you, you have to reach them. You can't. And as a teacher, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what you know, necessarily. Um, if you're an expertise in a certain um, subject, just like if you're an expertise in, in a press defense mm-hmm. and your kids can't press, you can't run it. But you can you can take some of those things some of those principles and apply them apply them to what they do well. So as a teacher, it's the same thing. I can't just sit here and just spew things out to you right. if you're not understanding them. Um, how, how smart I am doesn't really have any effect on their experience. Um, their experience comes from you tapping into how smart they are, um, and that's the same thing in basketball. If a kid can only shoot threes, and you don't you don't need to have him dribbling the ball at the court. You need to put him in the corner so he can shoot threes, all right? Um, and also transparency. Uh, as a teacher and as a teacher, they tell you, you know, when you are becoming a new teacher, they say, don't be nice until like November. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no sarcasm. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I can't be sarcastic, right. I cannot teach. Right. This yeah. is just my whole life. Mm-hmm. And so um, once I cracked the joke or two again, they they're like. Right. Yeah. And they relax. And then when they relax, they can. But obviously there's barriers. We're not friends. And uh, but we they you have to be yourself um, because teenagers have a certain intuition that they don't Mm -hmm. even understand. Mm -hmm. And they know when you're not being who you are and they don't I don't think they accept that very well. And in basketball, you know, we don't have helmets. Right. We're not far away from the crowd. We don't. They they see you Mm -hmm. and they see you every day. They hear you and you can say something and they can read your face. They. They're, they again. They're emotionally driven children. And right. So you have to be who you are, and some of that transparency comes to come back saying, "Look, fellas, I was wrong." Yeah. Uh, or you know, come to your class and say, "Hey, I misspoke last week. I apologize." You know, the my papers didn't get printed. Here's what we. It's all about transparency. Then lastly, just the importance of scaffolding, mm-hmm. um, knowing that you have to, you have this grand idea of how things are going to work, both in lesson planning and in coaching. But you have to be able to put those pieces together. And, you know, if you have, again, you run a play and you realize, wait a minute, I have this great out-of-bounds play, but I don't have anybody to throw the ball in. So now you got to work on that. Right. You have to work on passing with your left hand. And they may not see that you're doing these redundant drills. They're like, we can already do this. Yeah. But then they get in a game and they're in a situation and they can go throw with their left hand, it clicks. But even if it doesn't, it clicks for you. Same thing for as a teacher. You want them to write, again, I taught English, so you want them to write these long papers, but they don't understand how to put their thoughts together. Mm -hmm. So let's just work on getting your thoughts on, just get your thoughts on paper. No no rhyme or reason. Then if they realize they can do that, well, then we can put it together to make it make sense. Just one step after the other.
0: And those skills will be so transferable when they get in the rural, especially communication wise, English. And I kind of thought the same thing when I was coaching. I kind of had this obsessive obsession with leadership, you know, because I feel like, Maybe the way we were coached or the way we played, it was talked about, but it wasn't as intentional. And I think that kind of moves with the relationship-driven movement that's come along in the last, what, 10, 12 years. Um, But I remember thinking that these skills can be transferred to the classroom. Why why can't I teach about integrity and character, which I also taught English for a little bit. I taught speech for a little bit, college career readiness. Um, And then using that pliable, flexible mindset, to teach them to right. like because it just like in a lesson, there's things that you think are going to go so great. And then you're and then literally it fails. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. But right. um,
1: well, you got to be willing to listen. <laughs> but if, we, if we're in a last minute situation, of course, I know what I think will work. But if they don't know how to run it, what difference does it make? Right. So you got to I had to sit in. A, I've had to sit in huddles before and say, what do you guys feel comfortable running? What do you want to run right now? And you got the same thing with a classroom. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this kid isn't turning anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Well, how can it's I totally get you? To turn motivated. Word? Yeah. What can we do? Right. Do you like, do you want a handout? Do you want it on computer more? What what can we do? You know, out of coach, I don't feel comfortable giving presentations. Fine. Mm-hmm. Let's write it out. Yeah. You write it out and give it to me, I'll give you the same grade. Right. And so it's things like that, man. And just understanding that uh, everybody's different. And if you're gonna be a leader, you really have to raise leaders. You mm-hmm. can't you can't teach followers. Yeah. Um, yes, they, there is a place for them. Right. Right. Um, but in society, like I'm, I'm weird with words again, I'm writer, right. English. So just the idea of having followers and these kids weren't so much about their followers and social media that they don't understand that in order to be first to be a good leader, you have to understand how to follow and when to follow. Mm-hmm. But if you are a leader, just like if you're a, a, a if you're a head coach, these, these two things kind of coincide it's where I get the ideas from. I only want coaches on my staff that want to be coaches, mm-hmm. head coaches. Right. Because then they're going to, I know they're going to put in the time and the effort mm-hmm. and the, take the care to get to that level. So if, if I'm in a leadership position, then I want to teach leadership. Mm-hmm. I can't teach you how to be a follower. Right. That's something that's innate. And even though, you know, everybody's not a boisterous leader, everybody's not to get up in front, leadership translates different ways. There's some people who don't say a word and they're just leaders because they, they do what they're supposed to do right. all the time. And so later on in life, They'll, they'll 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 be the one in the back office, they're the IT guy, you know, making six figures because they get their work done. <laughs> and that's leadership. Yeah. You know, and luckily I teach young men. And so I tell them, you know, every time I want to argue and get on them, mm-hmm. I end up talking about life. Right. And a lot of things about life is that, fellas, whether you speak or not, if, eventually if you're a husband, if you're a, a father, you're going to have to say something. Right. And you are responsible, I feel, for the uh, success of your family tree. Mm-hmm. And it gets really deep. You know I'm no, not going to get? Yeah. Like we, we start talking about how, you know, you are the, the foundation of mm-hmm. your family tree. Mm-hmm. Everything comes from you. Whether you have kids, your kids have kids, guess where it comes back to. And so this is the importance of leadership because whether you want to be a leader now, you're going crazy. to be a leader Yeah, for better or for worse later. So that, I try to teach leadership from a leadership standpoint.
0: And I think it's so it's something I didn't realize when I was coaching, but like you get on this level, you don't get to get on with your students and your classroom. I mean, depending on the courses you taught when I end up teaching classes that kids could take the next level. And I taught that when I went to college and career readiness, and obviously I could see those kids over and over again. But when you are coaching kids for two, three, four years of the arguably the most formidable years of their life, like we all remember what our coaches, names, whether we liked them or not, you might not remember your fifth grade teacher, Um, you obviously remember different teachers more, but none of us can forget the coaches, whether they were horrible, great, made an impact or not. And I just think about my kids who are like having babies and getting married and I've got two getting married this summer. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's so cool that now we've kind of transitioned, like they're graduating from college or they've already been out of college for years and we've moved into adult friendships. And that is a super, super strange transition to be like, yes, we're going to go to dinner. And they're like, (sighs) they're calling me my first name. I'm like, I mean, can you still call me coach? We're not there yet. but it's yeah. funny, they can't wait till they, you know, graduate from college and they can start calling me my first name. But um, I think those skills, like you were talking about, the grand scheme of scaffolding, I didn't realize how much those skills have helped me in leadership after teaching and off of a campus um, and just learning kind of to pivot always, you know, like you have to pivot in the middle of the game. you got to pivot in practice. you got to pivot in teaching in the classroom. And those skills have helped me tremendously as an administrator and and now off of a campus as an administrator more than I thought. Wow. In the middle of it, wow. that I didn't have before I was coaching. Right. You know, like you don't really have to do that a ton when you're in college, or right. you know what I'm saying. It just keeps you on your toes, and then you're you gradually get better and better until you can figure out how to be flexible in situations. Right. So, so my father was a coach; okay. he was my
1: first coach ever. Um, so I've had kind of a unique experience, and I mean I've been around basketball since I was seven mm-hmm. years old, thirty six now, um, and so it's it's it becomes one of those things where I obviously had ambition to go to the NBA. But now I feel like I wasn't meant to go to the NBA because I was meant to do this. Right. And even though I don't feel like I know what I'm doing every day, I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so when these guys, they do stuff and I tell them, you know, a lot of a lot of guys, they don't speak grammatically correct, right? So they say, Coach Boyd, be tripping. And I tell them, yes, I do. And I'm never <laughs> going to stop. I'm never going to stop. I'm in yeah. the hallway. If you're in the hallway, yeah. I'm going to get on you, pull your pants up, go to class. Why? Why wouldn't you do that kind of stuff? Um, and so, you know, they they, they – I just I feel like coaching has gave has given me and basketball has provided um, me and others because I think it's a microcosm of life mm-hmm. sports in general mm-hmm. just the the skill set and it's almost like a superpower.
0: Right. That I have
1: this 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 athletic background to draw from because you you have to take life lessons and apply them immediately.
0: Yeah. Um, and non-stop. There's right. no break. It's basketball always- there's
1: no stop. So if you miss a shot, right. you can't worry about mm-hmm. it because that's that's half a second. Now you have 32 yeah. minutes and you're gonna let half a second ruin 32 minutes. But that's not
0: a natural skill. So then you have to be coached <laughs> right. and learn how to get rid of Absolutely it. But then the same right. thing can be applied to classroom and like you're that's saying right. life. It's like you're a school parent. I used to joke with them all the time. Like, I know you don't want to do X, Y, and Z, but I promise you this discipline and this this these guidelines and expectations will pay off in the end. That's Whatever right. it is, Absolutely. Know, it'll be success. Absolutely. All right. So my last, my last route is like obviously. We teach our kids and athletes mm-hmm. every single day. We've already talked about a couple of things that we've learned, but like, what are some of your biggest takeaways from teaching and learning, like in the coaching environment and in the classroom environment?
1: What they've taught me uh, humility and patience. Uh, there's no worse feeling than thinking you have a great game plan. <laughs> and then in the first <laughs> quarter, is 15 to nothing before you could even call your first time out. And it's like, holy oh, okay. smokes. Okay. So <laughs> where do we go from and here? reconvene. That's right. And so, but at the end of the day, the, you can't be mad at them. Right. that doesn't solve anything. No. And you can't, you really, what I've learned is that taking those type of things personally, even though you, you will after a while, because it, it that's just my competitive Right, nature, of course. It's not about you.
0: hmm No.
1: Because those kids, they love you. And they feel bad for disappointing you, mm-hmm. and the humility led to a certain balance because I have a tendency to just bear down, right? And I've had to learn to um, effectively give praise, not just "Hey, good job," right? What are we giving? What'd you do well? Uh, I was never I was never really good at the sandwich. The <laughs> Hey, you know, you did this good. Well, actually,
0: research shows it doesn't really work. So. I don't,
1: I'm glad research I'm just that. saying,
0: because then people, all they hear is a good part. Good
1: stuff. Yeah, and I've always to be direct. believed. I am direct. I'm like, listen. Radically candor. So uh, one of the more direct conversations I have with my kids is I say, what do you want to do? Yeah. What do you, you want to do? Do you want to be a father? Do you want to be in the, coach, I want to play college basketball. Fine. How many, I say, well, college basketball is going to be a stretch. So I'll tell the truth. Right. But are you working towards that? Because I, I do not believe that you can do whatever you set your mind to. I believe that's only a half truth. Okay. I be, But I do believe that if you set your mind to something and you work extremely hard at it, you will innately overachieve. And when you overachieve with things, now you can always, even if you don't know something, you can always draw back on that ability to set your mind to something. So I think that's what the whole totality of the saying is that, yes, I worked hard to go to the NBA, but I'm five, six, (laughs) not going to happen, but I worked really hard my whole life to make it this far. So now I have this ability to work hard and I have this drive to be the best at whatever to reach a level that most people don't reach. Um, And then finally, last thing that they really, really taught me is just the, 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 the power of simplicity. Mm -hmm. Cause again, I've been around basketball for 29 of my 36 years. Right. And I've either played it, coached it, trained it. And so my mind works kind of like a computer, and it's really annoying when it comes to basketball. But, and I sometimes I have a tendency to just make it more complicated than it needs mm-hmm. to be. Like I'm watching tendencies of every single player, mm-hmm. and I want to translate that information yeah. to them, and they can't. They're like, Coach, we need like one or two things. Yeah. Same thing in the classroom. Like, okay, I want to do this, and then like, on this part of the project, we want to do that. And then we're going to, no, no, mm-hmm. give them a rubric, five mm-hmm. things, knock mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And then that let give them the power to create. I had a student say something today <laughs> and it, it, I'm glad that, that this conversation came up because he said, you know what? I feel like some of my classes have killed my creativity. Mm. Mm. And th- again, going back to the pliability, I had a lesson planned for today. We stopped. What do you mean by that? You know, and what he was saying was that he knows what the teacher wants to get a good grade so he does that instead of what he feels like is the best way to apply his knowledge. That's the same thing that the kids have taught me mm-hmm. in coaching. And that's why I'm so passionate about is that, right. okay, do I know what you need to do to be successful? But do you know? And if you feel like you need to do this to be successful, let's try that. And maybe it works for you and maybe I was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things they taught me was like, let's just bear down to what you feel like you can do maybe what I think you can do. And if I let you, if I let you give you the creativity to mess up, or if I give you creativity to succeed, then that gives me the leverage, which I always tell my my students, leverage is the most powerful currency you can have. You're right. That gives me the leverage to teach you now. And so that's what coaching, that's what I've learned from them. Cause I, as a high shot coach, I thought I knew everything. Right. No, no, I'm, you're going to do what I say. To oh, I've got a
0: good podcast for you. <laughs> I just listened to Lane Kiffin on positive university by John, John Gordon. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about that same thing. He had a lot of success as a young coach, got this big reputation. And he's like, all my priorities were out of shift. You know, and you're trying to, he's like, I went from wanting to win to wanting to coach good men in college. And I agree with you, like humility kind of just builds up, builds up over your coaching career. It's like, you can't take it personally, but you do feel passionate about it. But you're trying to teach your kids like you're not an all-star. This is a team effort. This isn't just about you. And then you start to listen to that in your own personal life too. It's like, this isn't about you and that can apply to any educator in any position. And you have to constantly remind yourself of that because it fights human nature. Human nature says, make yourself better. And there's a book that, um, a coworker just told me about called "Big Potential" and chapter right. one. The whole thing talks about how um, success can't be done in isolation. Mm. Um, just heard Carrie Walsh talk about this the other day. I mean, the, the people that are successful have this secret and this key, and it's not making yourself elevated above others. Right. Because and, all, and unfortunately, our society pushes that competitive nature, but we got to move away from that because. In reality, you can't do things alone no. or it'll start to crumble. It's not right. sustainable. It's not sustainable long-term. Um, but I loved it. it. talked about fireflies and how that they're actually competing to mate with female fireflies. Right. Uh, random data you don't need to know. But <laughs> um, but that they will light up together because if 500 of them light up together, then it's easier for them to find the female mm. mate. Something along those lines. But it was just I a like really that. cool scientific story about it in the book. Big yeah. Potential. So yeah. it's by Sean Aker. Um right. It's pretty good. Okay. So let's move on to the closing of our podcast. Right. So, what's one favorite thing in education right now for you?
1: Technology. Okay. Um, I'm admittedly not where I should be using technology. <laughs> right. I still hand out worksheets from time to time to go over things. Um, but I really like where it's going. And people like Caitlin Cloyd here on campus. Yeah. I just wish I could keep up with her. Yeah. She's so, she's so much smarter okay. than I am. Okay. I, just, I can't, but the, I, I want to add, continue to add that stuff um, to, my tool bag, because I really like it. I think with the kids being on their cell phones and stuff and being so tuned in to technology, that is, is kind of how they would rather learn. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of you, some things have to be discussed. Some right. things have to of be course. lectured. Um, but I think having that dynamic option, I really like that. Me too. I do. I do. I do.
0: Okay. And then what's one favorite thing just in general right now?
1: My favorite thing, outside of the NBA playoffs, because I can just sit and watch basketball. Yeah. And I, that's I've gotten, shocking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My wife, when, when we first met, it would be Sunday and I would turn to basketball because, yeah. you know, I'm a basketball guy. I'm married to a I coach.
0: I know it's football. <laughs> so, it's
1: football. football season. But uh, also uh, just my son, not yeah. even I mean, watching him grow. But I, I think that it's made me take all this uh, theoretical mm-hmm. leadership stuff and apply it. Yeah.
0: As you can see from that being the longest episode of our conversations podcast so far, I could talk about leadership all day long. I hope you had some takeaways from our conversation today. And I think it's so important that Coach Void brought up that it's important we create stability for our students by staying true to ourselves as educators because that authenticity breeds a culture of trust. How important it is to scaffold our teaching for successful learning and how leaders can learn from their students and in turn help them grow as individuals as well. I've linked the podcast episodes and books referenced in our conversation in the show notes for you to dive deeper into that content on your own time. Until next time, here's a taking our learning and transforming the world.
1: So my wife brought me to a level of leadership, but my son is actually taking that to a different level. Well, he kind of forces you to. Um, Again, going back, you, you can't be more pliable than parenting. Um, No one tells you what to do. (laughs) Grandma's there at first, and then they just leave. And it's just you, (laughs) me. And a
0: great business plan, Shark Tank people, (laughs) a hotline for parents. Can we call you 24-7, please? All you gotta do,
1: again, you can just call, just, hello, this is the parent <laughs> hotline. Turn on the speakerphone, and then just let it yes, vent for now. An and
0: everybody would relate to that. I, said, I don't need you all the time. Just need to call like in specific situations. Just be available. Yes, and yeah. we can make a million dollars. could. If these sleep consultants can make as much as they're making, we could start this business. You know
1: how many books you read about don't let yes. your son sleep yeah. here? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just want him to sleep out <laughs> there, you know, whatever it takes.
0: Oh, let's drop him to the dog and let <laughs> him run around and If I got
1: to drive four <laughs> miles or whatever. But, again, I mean, the, the, that the favorite thing is just, you know, being the combination of a father and a husband, Mm -hmm. it's been, it's been great to watch him grow. And there's certain things, his personality that I'm like, "Ah, sorry, I apologize (laughs) to my wife. Like, sorry, that, that, that was me.
0: (laughs) Well, and it's kind of like coaching your kids. Like this is a team. That's why I try to tell them like, you think this is annoying. I'm pushing this team thing so much and it's not about you. But when you were married one day, it is not about you. It's about your spouse. And when you were a parent, it is even more less about you more or less. It is less about you than you even ever thought it could be possible. Right. Like, nobody cares. Like, you are at the at the whim of a small child who either can't talk or whatever. Um, and so it really is instilling that humility across even when you're an adult.
1: Right. And that goes back to the leadership thing. Uh, a lot of people don't think they're – even adults may not feel like they're leaders. But if you – or a husband or a wife or a parent of any sort, even if you have, you know, animals, pets, yeah. you have to, you, yes. they, they don't, they're looking at you like, what do we do? Yeah. We don't know. And so uh, I think, you know, this educational, education is global. And so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if my students see me with my kid yeah. uh, or my, especially my players, because they're young men mm-hmm. and they see how seriously I take fatherhood yeah. and how, how. It's modeling. I mean, it it's just is. as important
0: as the X's and O's of basketball Or teaching integrity. They need to see you caring about your son. Because you told me about how you're having your son there after work. Tell that again about how you're at a basketball game. So
1: so I've had my son. My (laughs) wife had to work late. And so I've had my son to where we – I've had him up, you know, talking in (laughs) pregame, you know, speeches. And then I'll give him, you know, to – his babysitter for the game. And when I'm walking up and down the sideline, he's crying and throwing a fit. And I'm just reach over and I'm going to talk over in the middle of a game and say, Hey, just give him his bottle and just go right back to the yeah. game. Um, because my son is, he's important. Right. You're important as well. So you have to juggle. I don't have a choice or I can't go home. I try to tell him, you know, you need to turn in your work or whatever, because why not? So and I, I, I make that analogous to when I go home, I don't get to say I'm tired. Yeah. Because yeah. my son is looking at me like, uh, well, yeah,
0: let's play. it's time to play, yeah, buddy. And dinner All and right.
1: bath time. Bet, yeah, <laughs> right. there's no, there's no messing gotta, around. There's no messing around. And so that, that's been my favorite thing and how it's been, I've been able to weave it into my education experience uh, as well. I
0: love that. Okay, yeah. so last question. What's your favorite book right now? Doesn't have to be your all-time favorite. People get stressed about this question. Just pick <laughs> one favorite book right now.
1: Uh, Probably one of my favorite books that's been most impactful for me. Uh, is 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, John C. Maxwell. I know some self-help books can get a little goofy sometimes and, you know, it's like the end all be all. But I like this book because it didn't. He never really gave you tips. Right. He just gave characteristics mm-hmm. of leaders, um, the law of attraction, the law, things like that. And one of the quotes in the book that really has resonated with me and sticks with me to this day is that, you know, a leader with no followers is just a guy taking a walk. Yeah. It goes back to what we talked about, leaders, breeding leaders. Mm-hmm. Um and the only way, you work, only way you can become a leader is if you get behind one. Right. But the only way you can be an effective leader is if you get people that want to be behind you. And connect. That's right. right. And that connectivity is what gets those quote unquote followers or people who want to be under your wing. But if you're not able to do that um, in any level, not able to build those relationships like we talked about, mm-hmm. you're not really doing a lot.
0: It reminds me a lot of John Wooden. That's what I based my leadership philosophy off of. It's kind of what I started when I wrote wrote my program when I was a volleyball coach, but I like that it's just easily applicable tips. And I'm like you, I don't like the cheesy stories. I just like want to see how can this be applied? Maybe some case studies, some research, but I don't want all the cheese with it.
1: Yeah. John Wooden, man. I I said, I wish I could do, I wish I could sit down during games. I wish I could never yell. Um, I don't know if I have that in my DNA. I could fit somewhere in the middle, but even just reading his story when he was younger, he was just a really, really focused individual. Yeah. And, um, but he found a way to reach these high level athletes with these huge egos mm-hmm. and huge personalities by just like we talked about just being transparent. This is what I do. This mm-hmm. is, these are my expectations. Right. I'm not going to yell them to you. Mm-hmm. but These is what they are. And here's what here's the result.
0: I think there's so much to be said for leaders who have that calm demeanor to them. I think there's a time and a place for the emotions, the intensity, etc. I don't think right. it needs to be always. I can name so many people that I've worked with currently and in the past. That It's inspiring that maybe I didn't even realize when I was working with them, but then I realized, okay, there's a crisis going on, Mm -hmm. and they're calm, cool, and collected, Mm and um, what great principals do differently. I don't know if you've heard of that book. That book is so good. Hmm. One of my favorite parts that he wrote is when he was a principal, he wouldn't run to fights. He wouldn't run to stuff. He'd just be hanging out. His teachers in the hall, when they see you as an administrator on campus – they're like, oh, what's going on? And if everybody's panicking, running, freaking out and, you know, creating this scene, then everybody else starts to feel that. I think that's so applicable to different parts. Parenting, like you said, right. marriage, friendships, um, co-worker relationships. Like if you're if someone's really firing you up in a PLC, there's a time and a place for the conflict if it needed to get a little heated. Right. But in a professional setting, like keep your... Keep your cool. That's right. Go go vent about it to somebody That's who's right. maybe not on your team. That won't hurt the team mentality. Um, but I just I really appreciate those people I've worked with that have stayed calm. Like you're saying, I think that demeanor goes a really long way, right. and it goes a long way with teenagers. Absolutely. I mean, how many times do people? get wrapped up sometimes in like the power struggle yep. again that can be applied to so many parts of your life but there's no reason to go back and forth and that's get right. all cranky like they're teenagers or their children or whatever whatever level people are at listening to it and if you keep your calm it's probably going to diminish the situation right. if you get heated too now we're just both, now we're just yelling
1: it's just leadership with, now we're arguing that's right just being solution based <laughs> Does this add to the conversation? Right. What I'm about to say add to this particular conversation. Mm-hmm. If not, and I had to learn that this year by making mistakes. Right. Um, with with I'm, um, you know, I'm amped up and I'm 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 more stressed out than I thought about being this being my first varsity year, my first full year coaching of course. with a with a with a child and juggling that. And um I made the mistake of kind of projecting this stress on onto my team. And so whenever we got into games that we sh- probably should have won, we didn't. And that became more frustrating right. because, again, it's I wasn't I didn't I didn't attack it with the solution based uh, approach. But I think I, as I sat back and I kind of gave myself an assessment um, and I even asked them for feedback, I, I let them give me feedback anonymously. I mean, I know they are because I know their handwriting, but <laughs> <laughs> it just. I, You're in I, the I same just,
0: word that you yeah, use when yeah, you talk. They, yeah.
1: And they, they, they still kind of gave me what they yes. thought I wanted to hear. But um, one of the things was just, you know, just. Remain calm. Just let them know yeah. what I want, yeah. and just give trust them to uh, to to execute. And if they don't, now let, let's go back and let's reteach or let's explain something, or maybe even change completely.
0: And the thing is, I think people sometimes give a little too much credibility to teenagers in terms of like, oh, they're old enough; they'll they'll be fine. They still want to see a stable adult who's That's in right. charge. They, you can play with them and you can have fun and be sarcastic like you're saying. But in the end, they want to see somebody who's stable. That's right. And what we all want to see from that's a leader. Right. Nobody, None of us want to work for someone who's unstable and we can't figure out, like, are you going to be there for us when the times get hard? And so I think that's so true. And the same thing with parenting. It's like a toddler having a tantrum. If a kid's, you know, having a moment, there's no reason. I'll never forget one of my favorite football players ever. Um, I picked up his phone one time and he just went on this tyrant, tyrant with F-words everything else. And the class kind of looked at me stunned. And I just said, will you step outside, please? (laughs) And I get out there and he's crying. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, you don't talk to me like that. You never talk like that. And it was because a teacher before him written him up, et cetera. You know, the same same story that irritates most kids. But thank God I did not go off and have my ego bruised in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are other moments in my teaching career that I could have handled things differently. But in that moment… I'm so grateful that I didn't go off and be like, what'd you say to me? And go back and forth because it would have been explosive. It would have been more damaging to our relationship. And just by removing him and letting him have a moment in the hall and then going out there and seeing the humanity in him, he's just irritated. Something happened. And we just have to remember that in our classrooms. I just think I'm so passionate about that. Like, Mm -hmm. especially when I think back of when we, what we went through, what our friends went through in high school, there's so many stories that we don't know as educators that are going on. And it's kind of like our coworkers. There's Mm -hmm. so many things Great things, horrible things that are going on in people's personal lives that you don't know the burdens people carry. That's right. And so it's a part of it's all connecting to what you're saying, being relationship driven, connected and making sure that you are remembering that when you're dealing with others.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the key to any successful relationship, as you know, is to um, think of yourself less. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think less of yourself, mm-hmm. though. but you have to have enough confidence in yourself to say, OK, whatever you're going through, your reaction, that doesn't have anything to do with yeah. me. So let's figure out how we can get this solution going. And like you said, not get your ego involved. Nothing good comes out of
0: that. But it has to be worked on every day. So I used to to tell my players, this is not natural. I mean, it is easy to be no. like, she just said that to me. Can I take this yeah. the wrong way? And we talked about this the other day with the game with coworkers. and it's like just giving people the benefit of the doubt, you know, and a lot of times if someone does snap at you or they're, you know, unprofessional, or whatever, usually it has nothing to do with you. Like you're saying, mm-hmm. like I remember when I had to call parents who maybe got upset because I was telling them, you know, Hey, your student has this consequence when I was an administrator. If they got upset, I knew that had nothing to do with me personally. And maybe they were irritated because I'm the one who's handing the consequence out right. for whatever the reason. But I just had to make sure I didn't take that personally. And it made parent phone calls a lot better. Mm-hmm. I've had like having those conversations with people. I used to dread phone conversations that I knew were gonna go south. Mm-hmm. But then it just turned into, you know what, this is this person's most important person in That's their right. life. These are these people's kids. Right. And it brings a weight to it. Like we <sighs> are entrusted to people's children. And even before I had kids, the older I got, the more I understood that. And I wouldn't take things. People would be like, I'm sorry, I'm so upset. And I'm like, ma'am, don't apologize. Yeah. You should be protective and loyal to your kid to want to do this, or if you're the guardian or whatever, whoever was taking mm-hmm, up, mm-hmm. I wouldn't get offended. And people would apologize I'm like, don't apologize. Right. You should be upset about this. That's right. Um, and I think it's remembering that because I think people want to shy away from talking to, now we're getting off on a tangent, about combative, <laughs> you know, parents that might be a problem on the phone because they don't know what to say. It's just remembering like, this is their kid, this is their child. Right. And so that's where that emotion comes from. Which and is now. effective
1: leadership comes with just yeah. a, a level of self-awareness. Right. I mean, I, I know that's, you know, the, the top of, of Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Um, and it's hard to reach that pinnacle. Right. And we're all just trying to climb to get there. Mm-hmm. But through those, the climbing up that, we know that people want to be accepted. They want to be a part of right. something. They need to feel love. And sometimes that love is wrapped they in. I want to be heard. That's right. And sometimes you got to tell. The, I think, I really think that people, as long as you're consistent, that's another thing that coaching has taught me, right. Johnny Mitchell, which is consistency. Mm-hmm. This is what we do. This is how we're going to do it every day. This is how we act. This is the punishment for This is the, the this me you're going to get every this day. I'm not, every day. I'm, I'm not up and down. I'm not pouting one day, right. happy another day. That's this is right. me. Just consistency. Right. And the same thing is with leadership. They just mm-hmm. want to know, if I'm going to give you the harsh truth, you know I'm going to give it to you every time. Mm-hmm. And if I got to come back and say, hey, this is why I don't believe in, in punishment, so, so to speak, more and without explanation. Right. Yeah. So, and that's the same thing. So, I, I feel like in leadership... Um, you have, like we talked about, you got to be willing to lead sometimes. It's, it's not it's not a popularity contest. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be able to say what needs to be said yeah. and then being able to hear sometimes right. and correct if you make a mistake.
0: And then, so. like you said, sometimes there's consequences, but if you explain it, like sure. I do better, you know, we all did better when we were yeah, younger, yeah. if we had a consequence. But if you don't know what you're doing it for, like, okay, well, now we're in trouble. We don't know why. Or this isn't what we were supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. et cetera. But I think that's an explanation that even adults want. Like I try to do that in email (laughs) sometimes. You know, like there's something that seems weird. If I'm like, hey, can you turn this? Sorry, there was a glitch. Even just knowing people, like there was a technology glitch. I need you to resubmit this application or whatever it is. People just want to know, like, why am I having to redo this work? Something little like that. I do better with explanations. I think everybody does. We just want to know why. And I remember when that started coming out, that mentality. Mm -hmm. People are like, I'm not explaining that to them. Like they don't need a why. It's because I'm in charge. <laughs> Remember, that's just not going to work anymore right. with anybody. I think co- I think adults and students is not the mentality. I mean,
1: we can go to a part two of this about. Voice I, know, and same, I know. I know. We'll stop. Let's
0: talk. Let's talk. Yeah. We're going to talk about leadership all day long. <laughs> Thanks so much for being on our episode. No let's get let's get get you home after a long day of teaching. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bye. As you can see from that being the longest episode of our Conversations podcast so far, I could talk about leadership all day long. I hope you had some takeaways from our conversation today and I think it's so important that Coach Void brought up that it's important we create stability for our students by staying true to ourselves as educators because that authenticity breeds a culture of trust. How important it is to scaffold our teaching for successful learning and how leaders can learn from their students and in turn help them grow as individuals as well. I've linked the podcast episodes and books referenced in our conversation in the show notes for you to dive deeper into that content on your own time. Until next time, here's a taking our learning and transforming the world.